This is not to the detriment of any other race or ethnicity. This is highlighting and exalting who we are as a black people. And I am so proud to say that these eight blessings that I learned growing up black have made me the strong, I think, faith-filled, loving woman that I am today. And so, yes, there are burdens on the flip side of that coin, but the blessings far outweigh the burdens. You are listening to Real Relationship Talk, a podcast helping married and pre-married couples build lasting love from above. Got problems? Let's solve them. Because real trials need real truth. Now it's time to get in the game with your relationship coach and host, Dana Shea. Hey friends, it's Dana Shea and you're listening to Real Relationship Talk. Welcome to the show, you all. Sean and I are fresh off of a love weekend. Yes, we actually hosted the EXO Marriage Conference at our church, and I am just so full of inspiration and revelation. And if you've ever been to a marriage conference, you know, you kind of come back and your head is like so full because you have so many different things that you're like, okay, I need to try this. I need to try that. I need to stop doing this. I need to stop doing that. And it can be a little overwhelming depending on how much content you took in. But this conference was actually a little bit different for me. Um, Obviously, I'm leading it, but also... Um, I think just the quality of not just what I heard, but like the application that I already started making right after the conference. It's just been really, really unique. So um, that's just my little plug to you guys. If you've never been to a marriage conference, you need to find one in your local area. And listen, even if you have to hop on a plane, a train or a bus to get there, do it. It is such a worthy investment in your marriage. And so, um, yeah, I'm really excited. I'll be sharing, of course, some things. If you're not already on my email list, you need to get on that list. You can simply go to danashay.com forward slash seven secrets. One, you'll get my free audio, which are the seven ways, the seven secrets to a healthy relationship, a happy marriage. And you'll also get on my list so that you can stay in the know of all the things that I'm doing with Thrive Relationships and also the uh, most up-to-date information on the podcast, guests that we're having coming on the show. I even put some little marriage jokes in there. And so there's all kinds of real fun stuff um, that I want you to have. So you need to make sure that you are on my email list. All right, my friends. Well, as you all know, we are still in our Black Love series. This is still the month of February. We're still celebrating Black History Month. And I am really excited about this episode today, you guys. It's just me, so no guests on the show today. But I wanted to really kind of piggyback a little bit on last week's episode. If you recall, I had a great conversation with one of my pastors, Pastor Kevin Turpin and his wife, Wanda. And we were talking about some of the myths that we have been led to believe about Black marriage and about Black love. And so I want to really kind of take a little bit of a segue from that episode, and I want to talk to you guys about some of the strengths, some of the weaknesses, some of the blessings and burdens, if I could put it that way, of growing up Black. Now, I just want to just give a round of applause to all of my friends who are listening today who are not Black. All of you who might be white, Latin, Asian, or biracial, or any other ethnic category that you might not consider yourself to be Black, but you're here because you want to learn. Maybe you want to learn because you have Black friends in your life, or maybe you just want to learn because you're curious. Or, like I've said to my email list, shameless plug again, 
you want to listen to this episode because there's still nuggets for you. You don't have to be black to gain the knowledge that you're going to receive today. So I obviously grew up black. My mother is black. My father is black. Now they're real light. Okay. But they're black. All right. People ask me all the time, like, what are you? And I'm like, I'm black. And they're like, but are you like something else? I'm like, I'm black. But do you, I am black. Okay. Now, obviously most of us in America are mixed with something, right? I mean, that's just the nature of our country. So if you're white, you're not all white. You probably have some Native American in you or gasp, you might have some black in you. If you're black, you have some white in you probably at some point. You've got some Native American, maybe you've got some Latin in you, but I'm black, all right? So one of the things that I think is just so funny is the way black people are. Like, <laughs> y'all, this is called real relationship talk. So I'm not going to try to like sanitize. I'm not going to try to like speak in politically correct terms. We're just going to have a real conversation today. All right. I love being black. I love it. And I love our people with all of our craziness and all of our strengths. I love it all. And so, of course, I am not like the end all be all on the black culture. Okay. You, you might listen to some things today and be like, well, you know, I don't necessarily, that's not how I grew up. If you're black, you know, that's not how I grew up or that's not kind of how my family did things. But I think for the most part, you're going to see that a lot of these blessings and burdens are indicative of our community, of our Black community. And the reason that I really wanted to showcase these things are because I feel that they are strengths. I feel that they are strengths that our country can glean from. However, sometimes, y'all, they can also be weaknesses, okay? And so we're going to compare and contrast. If you've ever done like a pros and cons list, this is that list, all right? So I'm going to talk about these eight blessings that can also be burdens. All right, let's go ahead and jump into it. Number one, growing up Black, I think one of the greatest things that I learned was independence. Being independent taught me never to rely on other people for my success. It taught me how to get stuff done on my own. It taught me that I can do more than I realize I can do on my own. And so being Black, a lot of times you have to do things by yourself. You might have been a latchkey kid at an earlier age because your parents were both working, or maybe you only grew up in a single parent home, um, or maybe your grandmother was raising you and she was doing something. And so you had to be a latchkey kid, right? So I was a latchkey kid from the time I was eight years old. My mom was a teacher and she would tell me when you get home from the bus, give me a call at the school, let me know that you got home safely. And that's just how it was. I didn't have a nanny. I didn't have a, um, a babysitter. It's like you came home from school, you got your little snack, you did your homework, you waited till your parents got home. All right. So being independent was something that I learned. It was also not just something that was taught, but it was something that was caught. I, I would look at people in my community, in the black community, and I would see kind of how they did relationships. I would see that most of the women were like great wives, but they still kind of had their own friends, their own thing going on. And so that was one of the greatest strengths, I think, that I learned growing up black. But y'all, can we be real? On the flip side of that coin is sometimes over-independence. It's sometimes like I can do bad by myself. I don't need none of y'all. I don't need this marriage. I don't need this man. I don't need to be married at all. 
And so there's this strong sense of pride in ourselves, which is great, but sometimes the burden of it is that it can make us so independent that we don't know how to get along with others, that we don't think that we need others. And that can be a double-edged sword because none of us were made to thrive alone. We are truly stronger together. And so if you're in a marriage or a relationship and you still have this mentality of independence, that's going to show up in negative ways in a lot of the areas of your relationship. So I like the term interdependence versus independence. When you are interdependent upon your spouse, you're not saying that you're not capable. You're not saying that you're totally weak and you don't know how to do anything by yourself. It's actually quite the opposite. When you have a relationship that is interdependent, you bring your strengths to the table. Your spouse brings their strengths to the table. You also bring your weaknesses to the table and your spouse brings their weaknesses to the table and you all learn how to lean into each other's strengths. This is how you take those weaknesses that show up in your marriage and they actually become strengths because you are now interdependent upon each other. Okay, so that's the first one, independence. The second blessing that I learned growing up Black is respect. Now, I have a very high version of respect. I have a very high appreciation for authority. You know, growing up as a Black kid, you didn't call grown-ups by their first name. So it was so interesting when I started hearing some of my white friends be like, what's your mom's name? And I'd be like, Mrs. Wynn. And they'd be like, oh, okay. And then they would be like, so Paula. And I was like, oh my God, like I wanted to duck. You know, I'm like, oh my God, my mom's about to throw a shoe. Like you don't do that in the black community. You don't be calling adults by their first name. How many of y'all, like, I didn't even know my parents' first name. So I became an adult. Like, that's just not what you do. There was such a level of respect in our community that is so needed today. Oh my gosh, you guys, so, so needed today. And so I learned respect. I learned how to honor older people. Older people were not a burden to our community. They were a blessing. And I learned that growing up Black. Respect, respect, respect. Now on the flip side, it can become a burden when you don't develop the greatest relationships with your children because it's like the yes ma'am, no sir, you know, mentality versus like, hey, mom, hey, dad, or daddy, or whatever it is, you know? And I remember growing up, I, y'all know, I didn't grow up with my dad. So I would always wonder what it must have been like to grow up with a father who like loved me and I could go sit on his lap and we could play games and we could laugh and I could call him daddy. Like I never called anybody daddy. It just felt weird coming out of my mouth. And I would see my white friends, they had a very familial relationship with their dads. And a lot of my black friends didn't necessarily have the same. It wasn't that they didn't have good relationship with with their dads, but there was this, um, this boundary. Like, you know, you can come this close, but not that close. And y'all, I picked up a lot of this when our kids were first born, we were like, you can't come in our room. Like, don't judge me. Some of y'all thought the same thing. Or some of you grew up that way. You can't come in our room. And then I started asking myself, like, wait, but why? And it was because of this 
growing up with this level of authority, this respect that was kind of like you're you as parents, you're you're not necessarily in the trenches with your kids. You're you're kind of up several levels and your kids are way down there. This is where a lot of black kids grew up with being seen and not being heard. You don't jump in grown folks conversations all this kind of stuff, right? And all of that is meant to teach you respect, but it can also cause a greater separation between parents and kids. So now instead of parents really being able to like be friends, and I use that word in air quotes, be friends with their kids and be peers and teach them and coach them, there's more like a, you do this because I told you to and don't you ask me any questions. So that would be the flip side is the burden of it. And I just really feel that we can redeem that. I don't think that it's all or nothing. I don't think that you have to like totally throw out authority and that you totally have to be besties with your kids. But I do believe that there can be some sort of convergence where you are teaching your children respect and where your children respect you. But there's also that level of authority in the home as well. All right. Number three, growing up black taught me discipline, discipline in all its facets, okay? It taught me how to be a disciplined person because on Saturday mornings, my mother would wake us up with her loud tail gospel music and that was our cleanup day. She didn't care that we were out of school that day and we wanted to relax and rest. Oh, no, 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 no. This was chore day. So we woke up to Yolanda Adams and Shirley Caesar and whoever else washing the floors, cleaning the bathrooms, vacuuming, dusting. And y'all, my mom is so clean, like OCD clean. So you weren't just going to do your chores any old kind of way like my kids do them. No, no, no. You were going to do them right. And they were going to start at seven o'clock in the morning on a Saturday, on a Saturday. So that taught me discipline. It taught me that you get stuff done, that you don't just lay around and like not participate in the community in which you live. We're a part of a community, our little family. And so I learned discipline. I also learned corporal discipline. (laughs) Okay. Talking about the respect factor. If you were a black kid, you got your butt spanked. Okay. I didn't know that there was a such thing as raising a child without spanking. Like who does that? I'll tell you who does it. It's my white friends. They do timeouts. We didn't have timeouts. The only timeout I knew about was when you were playing kickball and you ran over to the dugout to get a drink of water. That was the timeout. We didn't have timeouts. We got spanked or uh, beaten, okay, if I can even be so blunt. You got your butt beat. And growing up black, I think it taught me that discipline in a good way. But on the flip side, the burden is that sometimes we can be too disciplined, too rigid, too stoic in our beliefs and our behaviors and the things that we do, the way we run our family. Sometimes it could be a little too disciplined. And so again, you guys, there's always the blessing on one side, but then the burden becomes when we take that to the extreme. So the fact that most black people, again, y'all, I'm making some generalizations here because you got, I know I'm how that one black person that's going to email me and be like, I do not believe in spanking. My parents did not spank me. Their parents did not spank them. And I want to say, God bless you. And, and I'm sorry if I've offended. But for the 99% of us that did grow up that way, this is what we learned. Okay. And we learned discipline 
through the things that we suffered. <laughs> That's a scripture, right? Jesus learned obedience through the things that he suffered. All black children said amen. Okay, number four, strength. We learned strength growing up black. We learn how to be strong, how to be tough, how to um, not only be physically strong, um, but really more so being emotionally strong, how to not let life tear you down because black folks was going through some stuff. Okay. And if you allowed all the things that were happening in society to tear you down, you would be completely weak. You're seeing your brothers and your sons being dragged off to jail for the smallest little infractions where their white counterparts were not. You have to learn how to be strong. You're seeing your husband having to work three and four jobs to supply money for your family. You have to learn how to be strong. You're seeing your parents going through things and and it's kind of like no one's talking about what's going on in our house. You have to learn how to be strong. And so I learned strength growing up black. But on the flip side of that, y'all, again, sometimes that strength can make you too hard. It can make you unemotional. And I find that at least for me, I'll speak from my perspective. When I started having children, I was emotionally detached from my children because of this whole discipline philosophy and the strength philosophy. I would never let my kids see me cry. So even when Sean and I were going through our crazy stuff and our marriage, my kids never knew. Like it was always, mom was always even. I always had a happy face. You know, life is good. We're going to keep moving on. And so my kids were never able to really see behind the woman, like the weaknesses in me. They were never able to see like the vulnerability in me. And most black men do not show that part of themselves. Now things are changing now, but I'm talking about the way we grew up. You didn't see your dad on a couch crying like what the world we would have ran out of the house thought something was wrong with the man right but nowadays it's becoming thankfully i think this is a good thing that it's becoming more accepted for men of all ethnicities to show their vulnerability so i learned strength but on the flip side of that i've had to undo some of that toughness that hardness that i learned because of that all right number five this is my favorite things to talk about resiliency. Resiliency. Resiliency is similar to strength, but resiliency is really having the ability to bounce back, how to get knocked down and then you bounce back. I think my mother is one of, if not the most resilient people that I know. I have watched my mom go through all sorts of craziness in her life. I mean, all sorts of things. And she just keeps getting back up. You might knock her down, but you are not going to keep her down. She just kept getting back up. And I remember as a little kid, again, not necessarily having the language for all of this. I didn't know the word resilience back then, but I would watch how my mom never stayed down. And that taught me so much. It taught me that you can overcome anything that life throws your way, Dana, if you just don't give up, if you just keep going. That's one of the greatest things that I learned. Now, on the flip side of resiliency, some of you guys are like, well, what could be bad about being resilient? Well, on the flip side of it is sometimes that makes you stay in unhealthy relationships too long because you're like, we're just not going to give up. We're just going to keep going. I'm going to I'm going to figure out this thing. I'm going to make it work. And that's what I saw growing up. A lot of women in our community would stay in abusive relationships terrible, toxic situations because they were not going to give up. And while that is noble, on one end, 
it can be really detrimental to a young black girl growing up looking at her self-worth and value and the way that men are treating women. Let's move on from that because that's a whole podcast in and of itself. All right, number six, resourcefulness. This is another one of the little life hacks that I got from my mom. My mom is one of the most resourceful people that I know. She will take a um, like paper towel roll and create something completely different out of that paper towel roll. She won't have a curtain rod, but she will find something that is going to, she will put some stickies on those curtains and you will think that thing is up there with a curtain rod the whole time. I mean, my mother just knows how to make something from nothing. And I really believe it's a godly trait. Not again, this is not just the black community, but this is something that I learned growing up black is that you could take something and you can, or you can make something out of nothing that you don't need a whole, whole lot. You don't need a whole expensive gourmet meal. All you need is some rice. Rice is the answer to all of your problems, okay? You can make rice. You can make rice pudding, rice cereal. You can have rice underneath your meat. You can have rice as a standalone. You can mix rice with vegetables. I mean, rice is the answer to your problems. My mother was so resourceful, y'all. I thought we ate, I thought we were eating gourmet food. Like that's how my mother was able to raise us. And so learning how to be resourceful, learning that you don't need a whole, whole lot, that has done wonders for me in my life. I'm very resourceful to this day because of that. Now on the flip side of the coin, resourcefulness can also breed a scarcity mentality. Because if you're always thinking, well, I don't need a whole lot, then you won't you won't want a whole lot, which is not a bad thing, right? It's good to not like need a whole, whole lot, but it can also make you not expect a whole lot. To always believe that you're never going to have a whole lot. To always believe that the little bit you have is going to be taken away from you because you didn't ever have it in the first place. And so I think that is something that I've had to undo in my adult life is that scarcity mentality. So it's a beautiful thing when it shows up as resourcefulness. It's a detrimental thing when it shows up with the scarcity mentality. And if you grew up poor or if you grew up not having a lot, you most likely have some variation of a scarcity mentality. So I grew up saving every dollar. If I got money for birthday, Christmas, when I started working as a teenager, I saved, saved, saved. And everybody was like, oh, Dana's so great with her money. She's so responsible. Dana was just scared that she was going to be broke. And I took that into my marriage. So while Sean was out here spending money like Santa Claus, I was like, hold up, hold up. We got to save everything that we have. And so that caused lots of challenges. And I talk about that on some of the other financial um, episodes on this show about how that scarcity mentality can actually ruin relationships. So be careful of that. Be resourceful, yes, but not to the point where you're pinching pennies and you're not just enjoying the life that God has blessed you to have because of that scarcity mentality. Okay, number seven, family. What a strength, what a blessing to be raised as a black person. I'm just, can I just be blunt? Like, I, listen, I love, I have said this so many times. I feel like I got to keep saying it. I love my black friends or my white friends. I love you guys. I love you, love you, love you. But there is just something different about black families. And it's not better. It's just different. When we get together and have cookouts or family reunions, and there's just this sense of, togetherness. 
most of my black friends had somebody else either living with them or close by. So you either had your grandma who lived with you, your uncle that like kind of weird uncle that stays off in the other room by himself all the time. Like you had nearness, that proximity. It, it was kind of unheard of for like my black friends to have family like in other states that they didn't see. Even if they lived in other states, they would still come down for the cookout. They would still come down for the family reunion. So there was this sense of familial um, proximity that I think is just really unique to not only Black culture, but a lot of even Latin cultures, even probably more so, are very, very family-centric, very family-focused. And I love that about our community. Now, again, you might be thinking, well, my God, what in the world could be a detriment to that? What's on the other side of the coin? And I don't honestly know that there is a detrimental side to this. I think, if anything, sometimes our families can meddle a little too much in our businesses. (laughs) Can I get an amen for the daughter-in-laws out there that are thinking of your mother-in-laws, right? Sometimes Black men can be really attached to their mothers, And Black women who marry said Black men are on the struggle bus. It can be hard to make that distinction because that family tie is so close. Or sometimes Black women can be super connected to their Black fathers that when they get married, their Black husbands are like, well, what am I here for? And so I think, again, this many cultures can probably relate to this. But I think that sometimes when we have such strong family ties, we just have to be careful that when you get married, you realize that now the Bible says you are leaving and cleaving, right? You are leaving that family of origin, and now you're cleaving to your new family, to this new nuclear family that you have with your husband or your wife and the children that you'll create. So boundaries are our friend here, okay? We have to learn how to set boundaries with our parents, with our aunties, our uncles, our cousins. Everybody doesn't need to be all up in your business, in your marriage. Even though y'all are a strong family, we got to learn how to put some boundaries in place so that that family, that positive, that blessing doesn't become a burden. All right, my friends. Now, finally, number eight, and I'm so excited to talk about this. Y'all know I'm a pastor, but even if I wasn't, I love me some Jesus. And I think the eighth blessing, biggest blessing growing up Black is spirituality and faith. I don't think, and I'm really trying to think hard, y'all. I don't think growing up, I had one Black friend who didn't go to church, at least at some point. They may not have gone every single Sunday, but they for sure went on Easter and they probably went on Christmas or Christmas Eve. But most of my black friends, even the ones who weren't like Christian, they didn't necessarily consider themselves to be like, oh, you know, you know, but like we had a sense of faith. I didn't know any black atheists. I didn't think those people existed. Like, what? What do you mean? You don't believe in God. You black? Huh? Like, that didn't make sense to me. Because there's a super strong sense of faith 
and of God and of God not just being out there, but God being involved in our lives. There was prayer that went on. How many black families do you know had the picture of the black Jesus in their home or they had the little praying hands in their dining room? Like prayer and faith and spirituality are so interwoven in the very fabric of the black family. And I think it goes back to our slavery days where those old Negro spirituals were birthed and the black church was birthed and how so much of our um, our legacy is really rooted in our spirituality and in our faith. And so I think this is the biggest blessing of growing up black, that we weren't open to like 12 different religions and like we were wondering like where we came from. That just wasn't a reality. Like we all knew where we came from. We all knew that there was a God who loved us and created us. And that got worked out in different ways. Again, not everybody was like super wonderful Christians here, but that super strong sense of faith. When life happened, everybody was going to pray. You know, and we've seen this even recently with the tragedy, what happened to Damar Hamlin, football player who had a cardiac arrest on the field. You saw all these black celebrities and commentators and um, family gathering around this man to pray because that's what we do. That's what our community does. And so I want to preserve that. I understand that there are different ways to believe and there are different faiths out there, but I am just so grateful that I was raised in a solid church, that I was raised in a home where I was taught about who God was and about who he made me to be. That has become everything to me. Now, on the flip side of that, I think that sometimes that can make people be outwardly religious, but inwardly ratchet. Can I just say it that way? Can I put it that way? I don't know how else to say it. So you can go to church and like look the part and do all the right things because that's what the culture has taught you. That's what you're expected to do if you're a part of the black community. But inside you're like, "Mm, I don't believe in that. I'm not doing that. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to pretend I'm going to act a certain kind of way. I think that could be on the flip side of it because there's this expectation from how you were raised but internally, you haven't necessarily married the two. And so I think that that can be um, a detriment. So there we have it, my friends. I think the eight greatest blessings and burdens of growing up Black. I want to actually draw your attention to an article that I found. Um, it's a, it's um, by Dr. Aldwan Tart. It's actually an Essence article. He wrote this article back in um, October of 2020. And in this article, I loved it because he's talking in this article about Black marriage in America. And again, if you guys listened to episode 131, you were ta- we were talking about some myths of the Black family. And so in this article, Dr. Tart is talking about all of the wonderful things that growing up in the Black married family provided. Now, of course, this is no knock to any of us who grew up in a family dynamic that was different than that. I mean, I grew up in a family dynamic that was different than that. My mom was married, but her and my, well, my mother and my biological father uh, divorced when I was like one or two. And then she remarried when I was three. And then they spent many years being separated. So I've kind of had this weird, I saw a stepfather, but he wasn't always around and it was just kind of weird. All right. We don't have time to get into all that on this show. Um, But one of the things that I wanted to bring up to you about this this article was that he talked about, again, some of the myths that people have had about Black marriage is that Black men don't want to get married, 
right? And I love this. I'm going to just read this this article, um, this part of this article right here. He says here, let's see. He says, I decided to ask my single brethren their thoughts on marriage. What I found confirmed my own ideas and may surprise you. What I consistently found was that black men desperately wish to marry. Almost every man stated the need for a help me, a friend, and a confidant. And so he goes on and on to talk about how because we were we were raised with a sense of family and because we were raised with a sense of faith and spirituality and how to do relationships right, according to God's word, there is this unspoken desire, this expectation that, yes, even Black men have. And I just love when I can find scholarly articles like this and where I can find evidence that backs up what I know to be true about our community. Y'all, I am so tired of hearing all the negative things about Black people and the only pictures that we're seeing on the media, uh, on the news or in media about Black men are them being handcuffed or them being killed by by the police. And yes, that is very real and true and must be stopped, but that is not all that Black men are. We have Black men who are extremely successful, who are amazing dads, who love their children, who love their wives, who will go to town for their families. Like we have extraordinary Black relationships and Black marriages. And I want to highlight that. That's the whole point of me doing this Black Love series. So again, this is not to the detriment of any other race or ethnicity. This is highlighting and exalting who we are as a Black people. And I am so proud to say that these eight blessings that I learned growing up Black have made me the strong, I think, faith-filled, loving woman that I am today. And so, yes, there are burdens on the flip side of that coin, but the blessings far outweigh the burdens. So I hope this has been encouraging, inspiring for all of you who are listening today. Thank you so much for being on the episode today. If you would like the show notes for this podcast, you can find these eight uh, reasons listed out. And you can find all of that at realrelationshiptalk.com forward slash episode 132. So be sure that if you're not already following me on Instagram, that you follow me at Mrs. Dana Shea. That's M-R-S. D-A-N-A-C-H-E on Instagram. I love getting your DMs. I love hearing about how the podcast is encouraging you. So shoot me a DM, or of course, you can always leave a review on the podcast itself. So that wraps up our episode for today. You guys, as we end every episode and say, a good relationship is not one that works. A good relationship is one where you put in the work. Let's get to work, my friends. I'll see you on the next episode. Take care. Thank you for listening to Real Relationship Talk with Dana Shea. Find the show notes, helpful articles, and more relationship tips at realrelationshiptalk.com. Enjoying the show? Be sure to rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And remember to subscribe. We'll see you on the next episode. Hey there, it's Nicole Eunice from the How to Study the Bible podcast, and I'd love to invite you to join us as we weekly discover a passage of God's Word together. From beginning to end, from principles to practicals, we are here to make sure that God's Word is powerful and relevant to your life. If that sounds like something you're looking for, I would love to invite you to subscribe. You can go to lifeaudio.com and search How to Study the Bible, and we'll see you there.